following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. All right, well, we're not going to have any fun this morning. And the reason I say that is that uh, through this morning's text, um, I think we're going to be forced to wrestle with the idea that God does allow and even causes bad things to happen to good people. Just regular people. We won't qualify them as good. Just people. All right. Uh, So let's look at the text, and we'll get to work here. Verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. May God's blessing be on his word. Well, Paul is, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. We've talked about that already. He's writing this to the brothers and sisters in the city of Philippi. So I'll point out when he says, I want you to know brothers there in verse 12. The Greek word means brothers and sisters. I don't know if they're saving ink or pages or what, but just a shorter means brothers and sisters, siblings in the Lord. That's us. Uh, So he's writing uh, to the church in the city of Philippi from imprisonment in Rome. and uh, as if you read about Paul's adventures in the book of Acts, you see that he ended up his imprisonment in Rome in a rented house uh, where he had his own space. He's still uh, chained to a guard, um, but he was in his own house. Well, he is not when he wrote this letter. He's in prison for real, not some cakewalk bungalow, uh, you know, where he gets his own space in the private bathroom. He's in prison for real. Um, he is uh, being kept in the barracks that was attached to the palace in Rome with a soldier chained to his wrist 24 hours a day while he awaited trial before the emperor. Um, I don't know what your flannel graph pictures of this are like in your mind if you grew up hearing these stories in a church. Um, but this is not easy situation for Paul. This is not... Uh, not hearts and flowers, not comfortable. His life is on the line. His freedom was forfeit, and there were a lot of people that wanted him dead. But, in spite of all that, he rejoiced. Verse 12 says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, this, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul, uh, through the Holy Spirit, 
understood a profound truth that's gone long unnoticed in our generation. Uh, Craig and I were talking about this earlier this week, and in I'm quote him because he left the room. Um, they, oh, there he is. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at Lisa, and I don't see you. Hide in the back. Stand right in front of me. Uh, it says, uh, he said, there, there is a difference between things that are hard and things that are bad. Okay. What Paul was going through was hard. He wasn't free. He was chained to a soldier. He couldn't go where he wanted. He couldn't do what he wanted. He was a prisoner. But as hard as dealing with that was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't evil. Though people were trying to do evil to him, it wasn't bad because it served to advance the gospel. He testified that what was happening to him was really serving to advance the gospel. Now, can you, be imagine, can you imagine, just for yourself, not that you're the Apostle Paul, but you're the dude that's got to be chained to him night and day, 24 hours a day, right? Can you imagine what you might talk about? I'm guessing it's not sports and the weather. I'm just guessing. Paul was in prison for preaching Christ and him crucified. And this fact became known through the whole imperial guard and everyone else in and around the Roman palace. This is the capital of the world, okay? This Rome is the center of, of civilization at that time. And there's Paul in the middle of it, chained up, irritating everybody by preaching the gospel to them. I only imagine the irritation. I'm so, anyway, shut up. All right. <clears throat> Oh, so loud you're laughing. <laughs> now, okay, we have to consider this question. Paul was a prisoner, not free, not able to go where he wanted, do what he wanted. He wasn't free to preach and teach to crowds of people and plant churches as he had done before. He was chained to a soldier night and day, never left alone, not even able to go to the bathroom in private. He is not free. He's awaiting trial before the emperor Nero who we know from history was no friend to Christians. This is a man who used to set Christians on fire to light banquets. Okay, this is not a good scene. Paul was suffering. It's hard to tell from his words. But this man is suffering for Christ. Suffering for real. Not just, well, I, you know, I don't get all 5,000 channels on cable anymore because I'm... You know, I have to use the antenna, right, in prison. He was suffering for real. By all rights, his situation could be categorized as bad. But I have to ask you, do you think Paul would really have been better off had he not been arrested and in prison? Would his mission be better off if he had not been arrested and imprisoned and dragged to Rome? Was what Paul was ex experiencing truly bad? It was certainly hard. I, I don't have the words to paint the picture of how difficult the situation was. 
But as hard as it was, the truth is it wasn't bad. The difference between hard and bad can be found in the results. Look at verse 14. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, the word here is the gospel. Brothers and sisters are able to more confidently and boldly tell people about salvation available only through faith in Jesus Christ as a result of Paul being in prison. So is it bad? No. Is it hard? Yeah. Paul recognized that what he was experiencing, though difficult, had positive results for the kingdom. Not only was the entire imperial imperial guard, as well as those in the palace, aware that Paul was in prison for Christ, now the brothers in Rome were all the more emboldened to preach the gospel without fear. That doesn't sound bad to me. I'm sure it was hard, but that doesn't make it bad. So now... Among those who were emboldened to preach the gospel without fear as a result of Paul's imprisonment there, uh, in that group there were two separate groups. One who preached the gospel out of sincerity and love for the Lord, and those who preached out of a desire to make things worse for Paul. This is the strangest scenario in Scripture. I think I'm going to tell people about Jesus so they can be saved and you can be miserable. I We can see just from that thought that his situation was a lot more complicated than we think. Look at verse 15. He says some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So if you think about it, the spread of the gospel within the the capital of Rome could have negative effects on Paul in his imprisonment. He was intricately connected to the work of the gospel there, And the authorities knew that. Those who were preaching the gospel also knew that it may negatively affect Paul. Those who preach the gospel sincerely and out of love and goodwill preached even though it meant things might get worse for Paul, might get harder. But they knew it's worth it. Those who preached out of selfish ambition and not sincerely were hoping that that was exactly the case. By preaching Christ, they might think might really make things worse for Paul. Uh, once the authorities see all these people turning to Christ, they're going to really stick it to him. Well, I don't know how much worse they're really going to make it, but that was the, that was the motivation. Seems weird, and those people don't seem very smart, but. That's what was happening. But Paul's reaction was priceless in verse 18. Well, what then? Only that in every way, 
whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He rejoiced. He rejoiced. How could he rejoice? He's in a prison, chained up to a guard 24-7. People going around telling folks that if they trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of the sins, they'll be saved, which is great, but they're doing it to make it worse for him, to make his life miserable. He rejoiced. Didn't matter, James. They want to kill me? Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. We won nine to eight. (laughs) But I digress. Now we can talk about rejoicing. Let me ask you, how many times in Scripture are we told to rejoice when life is hard? It's like the whole book, pretty much. Um, you know, everything, all the time. All, all means all, right? Yeah, it just, <laughs> it's universal, right? James 1, 2 says to consider it pure joy when we face trials of various kinds. You know why we tell that? Because we don't want to do it. We certainly don't do it naturally. Jesus said in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed, happy. Blessed with fortunate circumstances. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 7.4 that in all his afflictions he was overflowing with joy. So why do we bristle? Why do we bristle at the idea that good could come from what we perceive to be bad? How is it possible? We don't get it. We don't like it. I say we because I'm talking about me and the mouse in my pocket. I don't like it. Why do we bristle at the idea that good could come from what we perceive to be bad? There is only one answer. It's that our God is too small. Matt Chandler said, Comfort is the God of this generation. So suffering is seen as a problem to be solved and not a providence from God. Do you hear me? Comfort is the God of our generation. So suffering is seen as a problem to be solved and not a providence from God. The things that we go through, our trials, our suffering, are not bad. What you're going through right now It's not bad. It might be hard, but it's not bad because we know that God is at work. You see, the scope of God's power goes far beyond anything that we can imagine. We'd like to think that we can truly appreciate God's power or at least get a glimpse of it when it comes to creating worlds and putting stars in place or the design of single living cells. But somehow we balk at the idea that God can actually use what we perceive to be bad to accomplish His will. 
I don't know if you hear this, people say this to you. I hear it a lot, and I hate it. I'm so tired of hearing people say that it's not God's will that so-and-so is sick. It's not God's will that they be sick. As if God is somehow powerless to stop sickness or disease. But if we read our Bibles, we can see that God uses suffering time and time again. God could use the suffering of Job, who suffered more than any mere mortal, I think, ever. The loss of his family, the loss of his uh, property, of his living, of his health, and still chose to praise God. Even though he slay me, yet I will praise him, were Job's words. If God could use the suffering of Paul to embolden others to preach the gospel, regardless of his suffering, to actually be emboldened by it. If God could use the suffering of Christ, then he can certainly use our suffering for his purposes. That means he can use cancer. That means he can use a stroke. He can use a heart attack. He can use a car accident or job loss or death of a spouse or a loved one or betrayal or abandonment. He can use that trial, whatever it might be, for his glory and the advance of his kingdom. Your suffering is not pointless. Your trials have purpose. And knowing and embracing that truth will make our trust in Christ go far deeper than any, anything we could imagine. We tend to think that things are going badly for us in our lives because God is somehow upset with us. I'm suffering because I've done something wrong. We think that God is punishing us for something we did or something we said. Or maybe that he just doesn't love us as much as people tell us. Maybe he just doesn't care about what happens to us. But the truth is, that God, our Father, is intimately involved with every last detail of our lives. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment for our sin. Through faith in him, there's no punishment left for us. Jesus paid it all. Paul's suffering served to advance the gospel just as Jesus' suffering is the gospel. Our suffering, like theirs, has purpose. And just because what we go through is hard, that doesn't make it bad 
because God is at work and God is good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, we're grateful for your word that speaks so clearly to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit would grow these roots deep in our hearts. That we can trust you enough to use our hard time, use our difficulty for your glory and our good, for the advance of the gospel, that others may see Christ at work in us. We pray, Lord, that we would learn to appreciate what you're doing, even if it's hard. We're so grateful for your love for us. We thank you that you took all our punishments already. There isn't any punishment left for us. And that everything that happens to us, whether we perceive it to be good or bad, is according to your will. And for that, we give you praise. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.